something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hello, Island friends. Let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helped keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, I am on the road way, way up uh, in northeast Georgia, actually just over over the line. I've been I've been on the Georgia line all day today, uh, just going down uh, going down the river. Right, Clay. I mean, this river uh, makes up the border uh, here between Georgia and South Carolina. Absolutely, the Chattooga River is uh, pretty famous in these parts, and it's one of the wild and scenic rivers, and it's just a uh, a uh, unique experience here in the south you know we rafted this river today i'm 61 it's been maybe 20 30 years since since i've rafted uh got stephen foy here he goes by foy he was in the boat uh, with me today but a lot of folks maybe maybe they heard of deliverance maybe they've never seen the old movie but but was it that movie that kind of made this river famous? Yeah, that movie is really what put the Chattooga in the public's sphere of awareness. And then it kind of like jump-started a lot of the awareness of rafting in general. They got folks interested in the sport, interested in coming up and seeing how special these places are. Yeah, so we got a lot of hydroelectric dams across the state of Georgia. The power company owns some of them. The Corps of Engineers own some of them. And back in the day, it was a very, very important way of generating power. In fact, streetcars in Atlanta ran on the power generated up here, but those times have passed and hydroelectric power makes up just really a tiny piece of it. Uh, let me bring another voice in, Colin McBath. Colin, all three of you guys here have some interest in seeing some changes as this is a wild and scenic river. Tell us a little bit about what is a wild and scenic river. A wild scenic river is a a congressional designation that uh, essentially protects the river for, um, uh, protects it against misuse, uh, too much development buildings, things along those lines. It it, it keeps it as its name is wild and scenic. And, and, And we at Nanahale Outdoor Center appreciate that because it, 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 it ensures that the experience for the guest is pure, it's it's genuine, and it's natural. Yeah, so some of you listening, you've gone on rafting trips. Maybe you can hit us up on Twitter at Matters Radio and tell us where you've gone. I'm going to post some pictures from today. Foy, let me go back to you. Getting out here like I have today and spent the whole day here, I mean, there's, there's no substitute for understanding the beauty of this. And I mean, my phone was locked up in my vehicle. It was turned off. I was completely disconnected from everything, but very connected to the people in my boat. Made some new friendships today. What are some of the other cool things that you see happening on rafting trips? Yeah, I think one of the cool things is, A, we get people into what we call the flow state, where people are just so engrossed and so focused on the experience they're having that not only if their phone is locked away, they don't even think about their phone. Everything else kind of melts away. The other thing that we see is a lot of emotional transference. People come in maybe nervous about the experience, don't really know what to expect, and by the end of it, they are elated. They've had the best day of their life. They're excited. They're just hungry to come back for more. I think you probably experienced some of that today. A little bit of nervousness from the beginning, and then you like open up. You kind of like connect with the people. You get into the experience, and you're just so focused, and you're having this emotional experience you don't have in other parts of your life. I actually jumped off a couple rocks today, Clay, Uh, (laughs) and, and that... You know, that's unlike me, but I was there, my friends were jumping off the rock, and 
it seemed safe. Owen was standing there pointing me right where where to jump. I mean, this was this was way more than just a rafting rafting trip. I mean, this was a relationship building trip. I learned a lot about Northeast Georgia. I learned a lot about what you know, what makes up this river and this lake because I guess you know with with this issue before us at the Public Service Commission, a lot of folks don't know that we do have some authority over dams and decommissioning of of older dams. Uh, had this not come up with Stephen Jones and the Taylor English Law Firm, I never would have really known about it and wouldn't have been up here. Yeah, I'd agree. It's a pretty important issue. And, um, you know, the Nanahal Door Center, I think, Foy can correct me, but 1974 they opened on the Chattooga River? 72. 72. So we've had a long history here, and uh, we're just excited about the prospects of the future, about extending the river further. And uh, at the end of the day, what, what brings us joy is sharing our passion with the outdoors and the natural world with those who are not living it on a daily basis. I have seven kids myself. They're all millennials. Uh, but um, this is very much an outdoorsy generation that mm-hmm. that Wendy and I have birthed in our family. They they like being outside. They like nature. They like trails. Um, seems like they like it more than their parents and grandparents did. Are you seeing Are you seeing more and more people that want to uh, preserve? Uh, you know, the best of what we have, the clean water, the clean air, uh, are, are they attracted to this area? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see it in our staff. We see it for sure that there's a young generation that are heavily motivated to take a job like working for Nana Hill Outdoor Center to be engaged in protecting the resources. Uh, you see it in our customer base. Uh, our customer base is really active in having an experience and then writing into their public officials, their representatives, saying, hey, we got to protect these resources. We've got to take these opportunities to make more wild and scenic rivers happen or to potentially tear down dams when you get the opportunity um so we see that happen on both sides of our transaction our guides and our guests are doing that and i think we're also seeing a big push of that come out of covid that as we see this surge of people going outside and playing more that you see people kind of falling in love with the resources and then taking action to protect it you know back in the day a dam like these dams up here in North Georgia, they were a significant form of power. Now they're really minuscule. Uh, it's tiny compared to large power plants that, that we're building. Uh, and as we think about decommissioning these, removing these, we did this on the Chattahoochee. We, we took down a couple. I mean, is this something that you you expect to continue to see happening more and more You know, over the next couple of decades? Well, let, let's agree that the that the technology and in this particular case is well over a hundred years old. So, is it as efficient as modern energy fuels and, and, and techniques? No, it's not. Um, as population grows, there's there's less impact impactful techniques that you can use, such as solar. Um, there there are there are just so many avenues that are that are cleaner better more efficient and do not impact the environment as much as they do now so it's my understanding that that in the last couple of years uh, there's been over 60 dams decommissioned across the country and that number is just going to grow up as more you know evolutions come in with regards to um, energy solutions frankly i had not you know i had not been on this river or this lake um, and i had not thought about what maybe some of the positives were uh, on this clay as you think about you know, the positive impact, say, on economic development for the region. I mean, how many people actually go on rafting trips? And and when you create better venues, does it attract more people? Uh, well, I can speak from what I know. Um, so the Nanahel Door Center, uh, we take just over, we affect just over a million people a year. Um, on all now we're more than just the uh, Chattooga River. I think on the Chattooga River we're pulling about thirty thousand guests down at a year. We have capacity for more, but again the decommissioning and the extension of the river would give us even a greater ability to share the outdoor environment and what we do with more people. Um, so. It definitely has an impact, and it, it stretches the environment out of, we like to call it a playground, but it has a huge economic impact because of the amount of tourism and what those dollars bring to this area. Um, we operate in a lot of rural areas, so the tourism dollars and the activities that we bring in is pretty important, and we're, uh, we're, we're the largest employer in two counties, and uh, we take pride in that. So. 
Yeah, just a couple of more minutes left in the segment. I've got Stephen Foy, he goes by Foy here, Clay and and Colin. Uh, they all are part of uh, NOC, the Nantahala Outdoor Center. Uh, I'm sitting up here after spending uh, a really fun day, Foy, with the folks in my boat, my fantastic guide. And there's just nothing like being here and seeing it and developing a further appreciation for it right i mean it's easy to just get caught up in your life in the big city and not realize the beautiful resources that we have Mm -hmm. yeah i mean the part of the key thing i think is like realizing that your life is worth it it was totally worth it for you to come out here and have this experience today right um i think you've would probably say like man i want my seven kids to come have a similar experience getting this in just adds to that jewel you know and we like to see that each one of our raft trips hopefully is a just a stepping stone on a long life of having an adventurous you know things that you add in right Colin, as we wrap up, I know that our commission is going to be making a decision not only about the dam here, but you know what we're going to do with coal plants. Are we going to have more gas plants? How much more solar are we going to do? Uh, we plan out this grid, you know, uh, twenty years in advance, and it's important. We've got a lot of electric cars that are coming in the future, and we want to make sure that we have a reliable grid and I know one of the things that we've looked at I've looked at is okay how how will closing this dam affect reliability if any and uh, I, I you know given that it's only 45 or 50 megawatts I don't think it would fa- affect it uh, in in any way because we have the ability to add that replacement power there quickly I want to thank y'all for being on the show today and for having me as your guest today really enjoyed it thank you Foy thank you we're so glad you came yeah Colin thank you so much it's been a pleasure thanks so much yeah and Clay keep up the great work hey I appreciate it it's good to have a new friend and a time on the river together hey it's Tim Eccles you're listening to Energy Matter stick around another segment in just a minute Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You want to make your car, boat, jet ski look really cool? Use my friends at Jim Rap. That's G-E-M Rap. Just go to Facebook and put in Jim Raps and you'll see what I'm talking about. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how? We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters. I'm all dry from my rafting trip back in the studio now, but we're, we're going to talk a little rafting here. Casey Boyce, my regular co-host, in with me and a special guest, Thad Ovit. Uh, Thad, welcome to Energy Matters. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking to you. First, let's just, uh, let's just get into where you went to college. I mean, you 
are a Georgia Southern Eagle through and through, aren't you? Three times over, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. So we've got a triple dog and a triple eagle in the room? That seems to be the way. Uh, this is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking rafting. We're going to talk uh, band. Uh, band? Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk wait, some band. band. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Band. We're going to talk smart bikes, smart bike racks, EVs. But let's start with rafting first because in our first segment, uh, came to us from the Nanahala Outdoor Center up there on the Chattooga River. Uh, Casey, we've been rafting in in places other than, say, the Chattahoochee? Yeah, I, I've done quite a bit of rafting in uh, South Carolina and Tennessee and North Carolina. A lot of trips through the NOC. A um, lot of trips that uh, I've guided. Um, uh, so it's it's a lot of fun to get up there on the river. And the, the cool thing about a lot of these rivers is that they're dammed, right? So they can control the flow. So you get a very consistent run every time. It's not based mm-hmm. on whether it's been rainy or not. Yeah. Thad, how about you? Where, where have you rafted before? I think it was the Oconee. O- Ogeechee? Ogeechee, yeah. Yeah, um, down near, yeah, down, yeah. Down near uh, Georgia Southern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ogeechee, and also the, uh, I think up in the mountains, the Oconee River, I want to say, but it's probably Ocoee. 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 Yeah. Ocoee. that's where, yeah, back yeah. in Boy Scouts, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We took down there, we went down there, for, I watched other people's rafts flip over and stuff like that going down the river. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> we had six rafts uh, going down the deliverance part of the Chattooga River, basically level four rapids, and we didn't have a single person come out of any boat. Uh, they, oh, that's good. These guides that Nanahala had were incredible. Um, not only from you know the in-boat coaching, but they had advanced kayakers go down to these class four rapids and have ropes ready on both sides so that if you if you went out they were throwing you a rope that you could catch and be pulled back in uh, just to eliminate, Casey, any chance of you floating down, putting your foot down, getting caught in a rock, and, and drowning. Yeah, well, and that's scary when you get ejected from the ramp. A lot of people, you know, especially if it's in the middle of the rapids, right? You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So that, that safety piece is really important. Um I can't say that I've kept all of my boaters in a boat when I've been guiding. So <laughs> wait a uh, second, you were a guide? Well, not officially, but they uh, they allow you on some rivers to self guide. So they'll provide the boat and the paddles and the PFDs and all of that stuff. Um, and if they've got someone who's crazy like me that's willing to actually like steer the boat and uh, you know tell people when to paddle, they'll let them do it. I, I mean, Thad, our guide, she was incredible. She would say right side two, oh yeah, left side back two, uh, and. It's like, you know, she knew exactly how many strokes that six people, how that would propel the raft. And she just had us in a perfect place on every single one of those rapids. It was just, uh, it, it was remarkable. I mean, yeah, our guide was amazing that we had. It was incredible until we got to something called a diamond splitter thing or whatever. Unfortunately, he kind of punched the rock with his hand trying to push off it with his paddle, which actually split his knuckles open. So oh. he was kind of one arm down the whole rest of the way. But we were just fine. He had the right calls the whole time on the way down. It was the rafts around us that some of the people were a little less experienced. And we just happened to be a very high water day which means the rapids were level four rapids that some people weren't used to. And we just watched other people's boats flip over. And But our guide was dead on the whole way. Nice. Casey, one of the, the reasons I was up there is, and this has never happened in my 11 years at the commission, we had the American Rivers, uh, Nanahala Outdoor Center, and a number of the outfitters, uh, a, a number of other nonprofits, basically intervening in our uh, integrated resource plan, asking that the Tuggalo Dam be removed. Huh. Yeah, it's a 45 megawatt dam. It's almost 100 years old. Uh, and, I mean, 45 megawatts, not a, not a ton of power, but it is clean power. But the dam also needs $110 million Whoa, wow. uh, in modernization. Wow. Uh, or or the, the penstocks, the, you know, the, the turbines, the generators. This group, because at the end of the rafting trip, you wind up uh, at, the, at the beginning of this lake and then you either have to paddle for three miles Mm -hmm. to get to the takeout in this case nanahala just had a little aluminum boat with a 20 horse uh 20 horsepower motor i think Ah, and they made a giant flotilla and they just moved everyone down and you were you were kind of chilling but clearly if that dam is decommissioned and it's not unusual for dams to be decommissioned uh i mean we did in 2019 decommissioned a couple on the chattahoochee river above columbus so it's not crazy for us to do that but if we did this it would essentially then take that two or three miles and that could be added to the 
wild and scenic designation of that river and all those rocks that are buried underneath there in that gorge would become rapids and you can see how a group like Nanahala that takes 30,000 people down that's just one company that takes 30,000 people down that section uh, per year how it would enhance tourism in Mm -hmm. the area and they were even talking about maybe something like that happened in Savannah with that uh, plant Riverside, where that used to be a power plant. Now it's a JW Marriott with a Brontosaurus inside of it. <laughs> and and one of, I would say, in Georgia, that hotel is in the top three nicest hotels in Georgia. It has revolutionized that side of River Street. And they were talking about having the same guy, Mr. Kessler, who designed Plant Riverside, try to buy that property if it was decommissioned and um, our public service commission has to authorize all of this but it it could happen stranger things uh have happened and then that powerhouse could be turned into a a a four-star hotel huh Uh, and so um anyway i hadn't heard any of these pitches before and i i spent time with the owner of nanahala and their ceo their cfo and obviously going down the river so that it was a yeah, pretty incredible experience sounds like it yeah casey i mean what do you think about dams coming down they are clean energy i mean is that a, is that something that where we're going backwards or if you take a 97 year old asset and and do an adaptive reuse is is it a good thing yeah you know i don't know that i've got a uh, kind of firm view on it one way or the other i mean I, I you know i think there are good arguments to be made like you said clean energy versus adaptive reuse you know to me the the biggest thing is you know can we can we make some sort of useful um uh you know thing out of it right but tim you probably know this you know working with the power company here but a lot of those dams in North Georgia um, were originally created to provide power for the Atlanta streetcars. Um, so, you know, thinking about like the Tallulah uh, River Gorge and the dam there, and you know, they they shipped the power down 90 miles to run the streetcars here. And that you're you're working on a different kind of transportation that's electric these days, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know about the, the streetcars. It's I didn't know that about them, but that's yeah. very interesting that. Uh, they used to pump the power down to there. <laughs> yeah, Georgia Power, actually, one of its predecessor companies was the Atlanta Streetcar Company. Um, oh. So, yeah. Yeah, let's set up uh, Thad here because he's got a, a really cool invention. Yeah. And Thad, I, I do have a chance to meet with a lot of inventors, and I am continually amazed at, at you smart guys out there and what you're doing. And you have invented a smart bike rack that not only prevents theft but charges electric bikes, which is – which is a thing. We just featured it on, on, on our show. I was in Savannah riding on Nick Palumbo's vintage electric bike. It was kind of a cruiser, white wall tire model. Had a fantastic experience as a 61-year-old. Uh, tell me about, uh, about just the evolution of this smart bike rack. Right. So yeah, this started off in college. I had a friend who had uh, two thousand dollar road bikes stolen straight off his balcony at his apartment. The second time they left a cut bike lock on the ground with a sticky note that had a smiley face and thanks written across it. And so he came to me all bummed out. I had a project. I was an engineer at Georgia Southern Electrical Engineering uh, looking for something to do. He said, great, build me a better bike lock, build me a better bike rack throw a computer in and make it smart you know do something i was like okay so i decided to run with it and my professors decided to say okay you can go ahead and do it because they didn't know what was going on and then i spent a lot of time a lot of research and figured out how to secure the wheel and the frame of every bicycle on the market and secure it to a structure so it's a smart bike rack that's universal because the entire bike industry is completely custom. I mean, they're off by inch here, a centimeter there. But then as going forward and turning it into kind of a business, it's like, okay, well, electric bikes are coming on the market. They're going to need power as they're out riding around because you might run out of power on the way home. And that's nice, easy ride bike turns into a big, hefty, hard thing to walk around with. So we changed it and put a power powering component to it. And now it's a um, universal secure electric bicycle charging station. And that I don't know how many people know this. We were talking a little bit before we started recording this segment that 
e-bikes, electric bikes, are actually the most kind of popular electric vehicles that are being sold. Like more of them are being sold than electric vehicle like the cars, right? Yeah, I would recently report out from the uh, Light Electric Vehicle Association and confirmed by um, 11 Alive uh, Verify in Atlanta, found out that out of all of the electric vehicles sold, uh, imported last year, uh, there were 608,000 electric vehicles. There were 880,000 Wow. electric bicycles imported. So there was over 200,000 more electric bicycles imported last year than every other electric vehicle combined. Casey, you know, if you think about getting people outside, I mean, I experienced this even rafting. You, you just enhance their mental health. You help them with their exercise. Let's keep talking about this. Yeah. I think there's a lot, Thad, that I, I want to ask you about how you came up with this and just where e-bikes are going. So, hey, stick around. We're going to bring Thad Ovid back. We're going to talk about this smart electric bike rack. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Logan Booker here, producer of Energy Matters, and I want to tell you about the Advanced Power Alliance. For more than 20 years now, the Advanced Power Alliance has been leading the energy transition in America's traditional energy states. They advocate for wind energy, solar power, and energy storage, all while partnering with traditional resources to ensure that America has abundant, affordable, cleaner energy to power our homes, our lives, as well as our economy. With the growth of solar and advanced storage and power generation technologies, every state now has the opportunity to be a leading energy state. Advanced Power Alliance is proud to partner with the Georgia Large Scale Solar Association and work with the Public Service Commission, Georgia Power, and their customers as Georgia continues to be one of America's leading renewable energy states. You can learn more about the Advanced Power Alliance at poweralliance.org. That's poweralliance.org. You've heard about Gem Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Gem Cars and trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M CarService.com. Tim Eccles from Marlin Gas Services. In addition to supplying natural gas in emergency situations, Marlin Gas Services provides temporary fuel supply during planned pipeline maintenance and other scheduled outages, or to help customers meet code compliance. Customers include large companies, utilities, commercial businesses, industrial facilities, and even the Weston Hotel and Convention Center in Savannah when that pipe was busted under the Savannah River. Visit MarlinGas.com to learn more. That's MarlinGas.com. Hey, Tim Eccles, back on segment three here with Thad Ovid. Casey Boyce, of course, my co-host. Casey, talking rafting, talking biking. Yeah, and talking about e-bikes and the fact that there are more more e-bikes sold than electric vehicles, electric cars in the last year, which is really phenomenal. I I had no idea, Tim, did you? No, I I didn't, But and and I hadn't ridden an e-bike until Nick Palumbo and Savannah let me ride it, and I was just, I was so pleased that there was some physical exercise involved, but uh, but I could get back without being so sweaty. Uh, and so it was just that little electric assist. Thad, are you hearing more people talk about 
wanting to get on a bike since they have a little bit of help? I mean, is that a motivational thing? Oh, very much so. In fact, the uh, 15 up demographic find they can ride bicycles again now because of the electric assist. Before it was too much of a daunting task, but uh, more 15 up crowd is uh, buying electric bikes now. And then also you have the millennials switching out their rides for electric bikes as well because I think it was seven gallons, seven Phillips on a regular car. That's the price of an e-bike. So, you know, it's traded out. You can get a better better breathing, better outside, and getting around easier. And there's some really cool e-bikes, too. My neighbor, Tim, actually just got an e-bike that's a, a cargo e-bike. And so it's got a little bit longer uh, space behind the seat. And they've got a child seat on there. Yep. And they've got two young kids. And they use it like they can put their kids on there. And, you know, one of the parents rides a regular bike. The other rides this e-bike that has two car seats on it. And they ride around and, oh, yeah. you know, use it like a car. Cargo bikes are taking off real fast. They're one of the fastest movers of the whole e-bike segment. Just because, you know, you can take your kids with you. Go to the yeah. grocery store, Go, whatever it may be. Whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, if you're just joining us, I've got Thad Ovid in the studio. We're, I know we've talked bikes uh, the last couple of episodes. And I guess... Folks, I mean, as I go around the state and people have these inventions and they dare to put me on the invention, hoping I don't tear it up. And and I can, again, intrigued with it. And then I bring it to you here on the airwaves to talk about it. And and I'm sitting here, Casey and I, with an inventor, Thad Ovid, who is a triple eagle. Right. We don't have many triple eagles. Uh, I don't think we've ever had a triple eagle nope. come into this studio. Uh, and I'm a triple dog, of course, and we record this in Athens. But Thad, uh, from uh, Georgia Southern, uh, MBA, he's got a, a BS in electrical engineering that he started at Georgia Tech and transferred down. Um, and then another master's in applied engineering. He went to Walton High School over in Marietta. You played in the band, played trombone. Are you still into musical instruments at all? Yeah, occasionally I'll pick up my trombone and play some parts of it just to keep fresh on it. It's a, it's a nice way to keep it up. And my dad's an audiophile, so I'm constantly listening to music that he's picked out and stuff. Yeah, so back to the, the smart bike rack. So I, I was in Jekyll not too long ago, and I'd borrowed a bike from a friend down there. And my son, who has a nice road bike, uh, an expensive one, uh, we were at the Residence Inn, which is a safe place, and Jekyll Island is a gated island. It's a state park. You have to pay $8 to get onto it. But we just had our bikes uh, leaning up against a little tree, <laughs> and we left those there overnight. Uh, then I got a, a little lock, and we chained them together around the little tree, but that's not exactly the safest thing, is it? No. Every bike lock on the market can be broken within 30 seconds. 30 if, seconds? On, within 30 seconds, if they get a battery-powered angle grinder from Lowe's for like 40 bucks, um, every every bike lock can be cut. So how does your, bi how does your bike rack... Uh, not susceptible to that same thing. Yeah, so uh, our bike rack, our charging station, puts metal bars through the wheel and the frame of your oh bike. My. So it locks it to the station, actually, so it won't go anywhere. And that's accessed through your phone or a key card. Hmm. Wow. You know, I've heard of folks having nice skis stolen at ski resorts and obviously these higher end bikes in case you ever had a high end bike oh, yeah I'm, I'm a road cyclist and Seriously, so i've got what a did nice you pay for your bike uh so my bike i actually bought it used but new is uh, about 3500 yeah. nice yeah. so yeah. these like the tour de france and I, i'm a tour de france freak I, I watch it every single day not the whole thing just the nbc recap at night which is about 25 minutes so you yeah. get the you get the best of uh, of everything, but those bikes are really expensive, right, Dad? Those go up to about twenty thousand dollars. Oh my, yeah, at minimum. So that, like, when you've got the metal bars going through the wheels and the frame, you, you had mentioned earlier uh, that you designed it in a way that's universal, right? And there's a bunch of different designs. We talked about cargo e-bikes. What, what is, can you describe a little bit about what you know how you designed this in a way that worked for every bike on the market? Yeah, so uh, lots of graduate assistant graduate research time, and uh, found out the one point every bike frame has in common. Built the whole system around that, so the station actually adjusts manually to fit all the different types of bikes e-bikes on the market and either forwards or backwards hmm. so if it doesn't fit forward you can turn around and fit it in backwards in fact uh, if you go to our website you can see we just featured at CES in Las Vegas and we got pictures of all the different types of bikes so for our listeners stations. What, what is your website so they can go check this out yeah it's parkentcycles.com that's p-a-r-k-e-n-t cycles.com 
and it's right there. There's a video sh explaining everything and all the pictures of all the different types of cargo bikes, road bikes, electric bikes fitting in a station. Let's talk about the model, I guess, that you've got at Atlanta Tech Village. Some of the folks um, maybe listening have seen Atlanta Tech Village. It's a kind of a co-working space, right, Casey? Is that how you would describe Atlanta Tech yeah, Village? Yeah, or an incubator kind of space. Yeah. 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 So they've got some EV chargers in the garage. It's right there in Buckhead, kind of at, right at Piedmont, it's, at Peachtree, right, right yeah, in that area. Yeah. Piedmont on the other side of uh, 400. Yeah, yeah, so it's a really cool thing. They've got you know, it's these typical Silicon Valley things with the ping pong tables in there that, you know, instead of working, the people are in there playing ping pong or video games or whatever. But uh, but they're paying to be there, right? They, they they buy a hot desk or maybe they buy a little office. And But what I do love about it, Thad, is it puts people together in talking and sharpening, uh, you know, sharpening each other. Tell me about where your bike rack is there. Yeah, so ours is stationed on the second floor of the parking garage right between the bike racks and the car charging stations. And it's sponsored by a group called Mobile App Hero. They're actually doing our, our uh, web app development. And it's one where they allowed us to install it and as a soft launch just make sure it can last for a year. And that's when we've had, had a few hiccups along the way, but we made sure that now and it's still running there. Still access, still working and everything. So it was a great proving model to make sure it can exist out in the real world, a real world environment. So that I love this idea that it's kind of in between the regular bike racks and the EV charging, right? Because you're merging some of those things together and, and providing, you know, uh, charging for the e-bikes. We've talked a lot about on the show uh, about how do you charge an electric vehicle, a car, right? Um, Bikes are a little bit different. What 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 do they look like from a charging standpoint? Well, every e-bike that you purchase from a dealer, uh, they sell this charger block that goes along with it. You plug into the wall, then you plug it into your e-bike. And that's specifically made to have the right voltage and the right plugs to work with your e-bike. Well, there are about 18 to 20 different plugs between a regular wall outlet and the battery of an e-bike so there is no standardization right now mm. and there's also five different voltage levels depending on how powerful your e-bike is to solve this issue with our charging station we made sure there was a, like a regular wall outlet that powers on so that you can use your own charger that you get with your e-bike to charge up your e-bike okay i mean just just use the stuff that you got from the dealer. <laughs> yeah. So do you see it like a standardization, something that's likely to happen in the future? Because I know early on, electric vehicles had a bunch of different chargers. Tim, I don't know if you remember the EV1 had like the little puck that you put in the yeah, front. Yeah, yeah. Was, hey, yeah that was that was that was strange. We, we I wish we would get all the standardized, but yeah. are bikes going down the same path. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know just yet. There are th some things they're trying to do where they want to either embed the charger in the bike or have just a pull-out plug. There's a battery swapping movement that's going on in Europe right now, but it goes against the all the other bike industry people creating their own e-bike. So it's very Wild West right now. Thad, this town, Athens, Georgia, where we record this show, is full of bike fanatics, high-end. You know, we have a bike race here in April. There are so many bikers who launch out of here, down state highways, down uh, back roads, in training and just getting out there and, and logging miles, um, you know, for various events that they're involved in. I really think Athens is a place where you could have two or three, four or five of your units sold. Uh, and in fact, I think I think the city government would buy them uh, because they know that the biking constituency is big here. Well, these do classify as level one EV charging stations, just like uh, car charging stations. Hmm. So they are a situation where we're selling them for $9,600 a piece right now. It's the same as two high-end bike boxes together because each station holds two bikes. And Oh, two. Okay, two. Yep. Mm -hmm. Each station holds two bikes, um, charges two bikes, and then they can link together. So you can actually put multiple of them Is it in possible for the, the bike rack to be sponsored by, like, uh, Jittery Joe's Coffee? Uh, they've, oh. they've been involved with biking can is there a place for a logo where that company could get the credit for that if it's placed out say at a commercial facility oh yeah we can put a logo straight on the front of it i mean it's one where we will reskin the thing for whoever wants to sponsor our stations we're totally open to that kind of stuff in fact our first soft launch was a sponsored station yeah just our last minute here um it's been great having thad in the studio thad how can people reach you well you can check out our website parkentcycles.com p-a-r-k-e-n-t cycles 
Facebook.com. We're also on uh, Facebook, Twitter, social media, LinkedIn as well. You can reach out to any of those. I will respond to that. Well, fantastic. Coming up in our last segment will be another Energy Matters Award. We've been traveling the state, giving out these awards, selected by an independent panel of judges. Stick around and you'll hear another award ceremony with an interview with the recipient. It's been fantastic. Hope to give you one of these in the future, Thad. Let's keep it going out there. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, Tim Eccles, you're listening to Energy Matters. Stick around. We'll be right back. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters with Energy Matters Award number three in Hogansville, Georgia. If you haven't been to Hogansville, just off I-85 with uh, City Council member Michael and Mandy here. Um, Michael, um, let me ask you, when you tell people that you serve in Hogansville, what do they say? Well, they they don't know where Hogansville is. They automatically say, where is Hogansville? So you kind of have to explain 45 minutes south of Atlanta. Have you heard of Noonan? We're 20 minutes away from there. And so, you know, I explained that we're a very small community, uh, the city of friendly people. You know, everybody's related. Everyone knows everyone. So, you know, you kind of have to explain where it is first off. Mandy, uh, how important is Interstate 85 to the lifeblood of the city? Oh, absolutely. I mean, our, our interstate, our exit and our accessibility to 85 um, fund tax dollars in this county. Um, you can see with the large amount of tractor trailers that the pilot serves and, and just the traffic going in and out, um, going to the beach, going to Panama City. It's the last exit of viability before you get to 185. And so we, we see a lot of cut through traffic. We see a lot of tourist traffic. Um, but the town is definitely growing because 85 is a is a corridor that you know reaches everyone it reaches alabama it reaches florida so michael we're presenting this award for sustainability to you all as a government for this very creative road project that you did your church is on this road had did you receive a lot of complaints from uh your constituents and fellow church members about this road not really everyone was excited to see this project finally happen finally come into fruition after you know many years um so actually everyone was pretty happy you know at the time church was shut down because of covid so this project didn't affect anything um all the residents on pine street they were quite excited for it you know everyone wants their neighborhood to look good So this project that happened within a few weeks was a good thing for everyone. Mandy, um, you know, folks may get behind some kind of road construction stuff and they're sitting there fuming, waiting to move forward. And you see the, you know, you see the different type of uh, specialized equipment out there, you know, pulling up the old stuff and grinding it, hauling it off. And um, you're in this business. You know a lot about it. Why is this project you did so unique? 
I think for the city to be able to use what what small funding budget we had in order to complete an entire project and to see it happen um, that quickly, the cost savings were the biggest issue for us is that it allowed us to build a really good road cost effectively, um, whereas other solutions would have been temporary and just wasteful. And for me, that's what's important is for us to use what resources are available and the newer technologies and the ability to spend that money properly and use technologies that are, are more effective and more efficient using what we have in place and not, uh, not requiring new raw materials to go into a project. How does a state, a county, a community get into doing things just the way that it's been done before? I mean, this is this is a clever use of resources. It speeds up time. It's less money. How, how come we're so late in coming to this uh, technology? I think everybody wants to see someone else go first, right? So they always want to see someone try something else. And there are other municipalities that are using this project, this process. Um, GDOT has used it on one road um, recently. But everybody wants to see someone else try something. So I think it's important for um, other people to be educated on it. There are there are um, sources of education for public service leaders. Um, we at GEMA, um, and I think that's a good resource to reach out to is to let the Georgia Municipal Association know, here's, here's a method, getting the engineers on board. Um, because a lot of people, when they've done something consistently, like you said, it's, it's comfortable, right? Um, trying to explain something that's different is sometimes difficult. Going to Jonathan, the city city manager, uh, you know, I hit a pothole recently off of Fulton Industrial, and it literally busted my tire within seconds, and I had to pull off. It ruined the tire. I had to uh, go and purchase a new tire. I was tied up half a day. I mean, I, I think one of the things our citizens, you know, expect us to do is to have good roads, don't they? I think that's critical for any community, whether you're Hogansville, Atlanta, Decatur, LaGrange, Sonoy. And we we have done a good job here. We have a great council, you know, where, whether it's us buying a mixing machine so that we can go fix potholes quickly and we're not always dependent on a contractor, where you're taking inventory of your roads periodically and you're allocating enough money to be able to get those roads done. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do them as fast as we would always like to do them. But our citizens should know and everyone should know that we're, we're doing them as fast as we can. Because like you said, if you hit that pothole and you hit that tire, it's our fault. If we know the problems there and we're not fixing it, it's our fault. Um, and you guys mentioned the, the size of the community. I think Hogansville and other communities, we not that we take offense to being a small community, but sometimes we're small in name only. We have the exact same problems that a larger community has. And we, you know, we try to tackle them as quickly as we can. So, but yeah, those problems always come up. There's always a new pothole. There's always a new sinkhole. There's always somebody that's going to, that's going to hit something. So we're, we're trying to be proactive and, and with a great council and specifically Miss Niece being in the paving business, she's able to help us identify those problems, get them fixed and not be a burden on the taxpayers. Lisa, I mean, having council member niece know what she's doing on this. I mean, not every council across uh, Georgia and Georgia cities would have someone with this kind of expertise. How important was that uh, to, you know, the confidence of the city to move, a for- move forward with the technology like this? It is utmost critical. She has been such a um, such an asset to the city. Being on the council, having the experience that she has, she's actually blocked a lot of um, a lot of things that could have caused us trouble down the road. You know, whether it be expense wise or whether it be uh, process wise, she's um, she's been critical to to any road construction, e- even some storm drain replacement and that kind of thing. It's been um, it's it's been nice to have for sure. Yes. I just add one thing to that, and I know they wouldn't say it, uh, and it happened before my time, but Miss Niece's company, before she was on council, was awarded a bid to do this paving project. They, turned, they would not accept the bid because of what she described earlier, that there were other things that needed to happen to this road before it would be paved. So in effect, not only did she save a, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars from a city side after she was on council, she probably saved it, that much money, if not more, before she was on council by her company and their integrity by not accepting the bid to pay the road said hey you don't want to do this yet so i think being proactive and letting communities understand you know even though it's a priority you may need to do other things before you do that project to save yourself in the long run let me go back to the two council people here you know when you when you do when you do a project and it's successful and it saves money and people can see it they can ride on it in this case 
Um, does it give you the courage to, hey, let's, let's look for another great project that can help solve more problems in our city? Let me go first to you, Michael. Absolutely. You, you want the citizens to be able to trust you, to know that you're doing, you know, everything you can to make them uh, love the city that they live in. So when they come to you and say, hey, I like that. I'm glad you guys finally did that. I'm glad you guys are doing this. I'm glad. So it makes you feel good as a council member that you are, you know, helping out the community and it makes you feel good. It makes you want to keep going, you know. Yeah. Councilwoman. I mean, it's definitely different. I mean, that's the reason I ended up running for council was because I I saw a need of being in a small town where they don't we don't have a a city engineer. We're not Peachtree City or or somewhere like that. And so to see the roads that haven't been maintained or haven't been taken care of and to know that our residents have an expectation but for me to be able to involve ourselves and to, you know, work with the city staff, and, and, and that's the important part. The important part is to have staff that, you know, we're, we're just the people who can say, hey, we'd like for this to be done. They're the ones who make it happen. And so by getting them and the ideas and involving our engineers, we have a great engineering firm who thinks forward too, and, and that helps. It's a, it's a full circle. It's, it's everybody being involved, but it definitely helps to, to want to go and find the next project that we can do and how far can we stretch our money and, and what method can we use. It's just a couple of minutes left. We're in Hogansville, if you're just joining us, presenting this Energy Matters number three award, sustainability project, to a government. And while this is a small government, they're getting this award from our independent panel of judges because it checks so many boxes. It saves energy. It saves time. It saves money. And it recycles. Uh, you know, my, Michael, when you think about all the cool things that big cities are doing out there, maybe they're putting batteries in, solar building, bike paths. You think about crunching up old road and making a better road that lasts maybe 10 times longer or five times longer than another road. It's not sexy, but it really matters, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, you don't think about that as the average citizen, the average person. You don't think about that, how, you know, taking a road up and you just what do you do with the asphalt? You know, you don't think about that. until you're actually involved in the process. until you're actually a council member or you're actually involved in a paving company, that's when you really start to say, oh, wow, this is how this works. You know, I I toured the water plant. You know, I don't think about the water when I flush my toilet. I don't think about where it goes and how it's recycled. So, you know, it's definitely good to be involved in the process and to know. And I think, you know, everyone should know how this works, you know. Um, if, if we, you know, present something to the whole city as a whole saying, hey, this is what we did. The asphalt went here and it was recycled. Then it was then used in this place, you know, to make another road. So it's definitely, you know, a process that can be utilized all throughout the United States. Well, thanks for being on Energy Matters today, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And Councilwoman, uh, your company did this. I hope we can scale this up and do this all over Georgia. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And to Lisa, to Jonathan, you heard your council members say you guys do the heavy lifting here. And it's the same for me and my staff at the PSC. I get to vote. I get credit. Of course, I get the blame, too. Uh, But uh, congratulations and great work in serving your citizens. Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And Jonathan, thanks for hosting me today. And good luck as you guys continue to lead the way. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Tim Eccles in Hogansville receiving the Sustainability Award for best government project so thanks for joining us have a great weekend everyone Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your one, two, or five dollar checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. 
And thank you. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know? A falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.